Hello, welcome to the latest episode of NG Meets. I hope you're all staying safe and uh, we're seeing things start to ease off now so I'm sure many of you are getting ready to uh, to go back to work. Some of you may have been working from home, maybe getting ready to go back into the office, others may be getting back to return. Some of you probably already have and of course pubs and things looking to slowly start opening. It's going to be interesting to see how that works. Moving forward with all the restrictions and guidelines in place, I know my partner uh, is about to go back in into work for training to find out how her company are going to be implementing the new guidelines uh, moving forward. So interesting times and uh, hopefully we're not going to see a second spike as a repercussion of this this move, which certainly feels like it's more, more for economic reasons than scientific ones there you go anyway hopefully you've been enjoying the shows we've been doing during this time it was last week or two the most recent episode of course was with the nottingham nottingham refugee week group uh, a fantastic chat, chat with alan and anna there hopefully you all enjoyed that episode and hopefully you you uh, took part or enjoyed some of the events that took place during the nottingham refugee week a couple of weeks back this week we're talking to Nat from Knott's Trans Hub. Uh, Knott's Trans Hub is, is a hub for uh, for people to access transgender services and uh, information on events, so uh, social groups and and things like that. Uh, obviously, like others, they've had to adapt and uh, take all their events online. So we had a chat about that. It was interesting to talk about the way they've They've utilised virtual uh, technology during this time in the many, in the way many like ourselves have, and also to talk about you know the different support needs needed at this time, but also how some of the things they've done have uh, have presented opportunities that might work moving forward. That's an interesting chat, and obviously we talk as well about uh, about trans right, the importance of the fight, the setbacks lately, you know the sort of the pushback that's been we've all i'm sure you've all seen uh the f- the fury around some of the things that uh certain people have been saying and also of course uh, the government decided not to implement uh, suggestions from the uh, the gender equality act despite there being massive public support for it based on the survey that was done so we talk about that and some of the issues going forward so this is a fascinating chat uh, it's obviously it's we're currently coming to the end of Pride Month, so uh, obviously it's, it's a key talk point at the moment with everything going on. Uh, hopefully you enjoy this episode and check it out. And if you want to find out more about the Knots Trans Hub, uh, you can check them out at knotstranshub.wordpress.com, and that's like a centre point. You can find links to everything going on there, and you can get an idea of the kind of events that they do run. Uh, you know, both virtually and when when possible, that will that they do run uh, physically. Although at the moment there are no plans to bring any of that back, as we talk about in the show. So, uh, thanks for tuning in and enjoy NG Meets Knots Trans Hub. <laughs>
So welcome to NG Meets and this afternoon I'm here with Nat Thorne from Knox Trans Hub. First of all, thank you very much for joining us. Today. Thank you. No problem. Um, uh, obviously we, it's, we've been trying to put this together a bit for a while now mm. and so it's, it's great to finally get a chance to talk and we're going to be having a, a chat about obviously um, how your, your group have had to adapt during the current situation and the different kind of support change, you know, the different ways you've had to change how you support people and things during the lockdown and the coronavirus outbreak. But before we sort of get into that, we just want to sort of give us a bit of background on um, who Knots Trans Hub are, um, sort of how they got started and your involvement with them. Yeah, so uh, Knots Trans Hub was started a few years ago um, and it was basically looking at a need for sort of having a way of connecting all of the different events um, and social groups going on in Nottingham and the surrounding areas to uh, support the, the trans community. And it was, a, I think it was three people set up, it was either two or three people set it up. And since then there's sort of, um, there are events that are organised by Knots Trans Hub, there are events that are just sort of advertised on the website and it's kind of an idea that you can go to one place and you can find everything that's going on um, and it's just grown and grown and grown and it's now got, you know, a, a very large membership and a very active Facebook group and all sorts of events happening. So, yeah, so it's become a really good place for support and socialising, really. Excellent. And I think it's interesting because I um, only became sort of familiar with the group um, a, a couple of months back, maybe. I think I uh, saw something posted on one of the uh, Covid support groups that have cropped up during this time. Uh, I think somebody put a link to the to the website up. Oh, brilliant! And, uh, oh, which is which is great because obviously there's um, it's such a you know such a weird time, and we'll we'll talk more about that in a bit. But obviously, um, there's so many different people needing support, and I think it was uh, it's been great the way people have been sharing, taking use of current technology and social media you know and we know there's many pitfalls with social media but it's great that to see these kind of uh places that have cropped up during this time to share information and to share you know links to support groups phone numbers and things like that um mm. because it's it's you know it's a very scary time for a lot of people um, yeah, definitely, definitely. And we've definitely seen sort of an increase in people signing up for things like our monthly bulletin and stuff like that, which you would find you'd think is a bit weird in a time when obviously there's no sort of events in physical life going on. But it seems like people are really reaching out for support more, definitely. Yes. And I guess as well, one of the, the things as well that's, that's cropped up occasionally as well has been um, different. Obviously, everybody's got different um, personal um, situations and not all people are in you know secure welcoming homes mm. and uh, you know while that's always difficult it, when you're in a lockdown situation like this that can be even worse for people maybe that's that's families aren't so supportive or or accepting um mm. you know within trans and lgbt plus communities as a whole to then be on in that kind of lockdown situation i guess that um you know they need that kind of that kind of online support more than ever when there are no events or you cannot go to event yeah definitely i think um obviously with 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 trans issues i think 
quite often you have people who are perhaps in a state where they've maybe come to terms with their gender identity, but they haven't actually sort of taken many steps towards that. And they might yep. have been right at the beginning of that process. It might be that they perhaps in certain spaces do um, dress the way they want to dress, but they don't at home because maybe their parents or maybe their partner don't know. So I think those people in particular, it's probably being useful whether they come to one of our Zoom meetings or not, it's probably useful just to be able to go onto Facebook and just, you know, talk to somebody who is in a similar position, definitely. Yes, definitely. And I guess, and then, you know, to keep that communication as well until we get to a point where we can, you know, we can socialise physically again um, and to not, because if, if, if you lose that connection and there's potential, obviously, of having a big impact uh, people you know like I say people that maybe are, are at the beginning could or you know are starting to become more public and things may sort of revert lose confidence self-esteem and things like that mm. without if if there's no support network there at all yeah definitely I mean all of the research around transgender health particularly trans mental health it does suggest that community is it's so important because it's not only a space where you can you can learn so much about yourself and about you know about the, the the way to deal with with the community at large, but it's it's also just being able to socialise with people who understand. And a lot of our times in the, during the Zoom meetings and um, and even during the sort of support groups that we used to run physically, um, it's not necessarily trans issues that we always talk about. It's just the fact you're in a space with somebody who really understands and you don't have to explain so many things to them. So yeah, it's definitely community is incredibly important and it's something we right from the second that we canceled our physical meetings, which we did kind of all in one go, even though we're all sorts of different organizations feeding into one, we put out a central kind of message saying, look, that's it. We, we really can't run any physical meetings, but the important thing to know is that we're still here. We're still a community we're not even uh, we're not even you know laid off or asleep we're, we're literally going to be an active community still just in a different way yeah exactly and mm. i think that's an interesting thing as well because although um i think most people most of us felt that the lockdown was coming it was still very abrupt mm. so there was no no ability to sort of phase or slow down events mm. or even or you know it was only it wasn't even really a possibility to have like a um you know sort of a, a not a goodbye but a, a sort of another event to wrap yeah. things up for that period it was almost like it was like as of tomorrow you cannot yeah. meet in groups bigger than two or whatever so it was all it was a real abrupt so though i think we knew it were coming when they did make the decision it was very abrupt Oh, it was a real full stop. Yeah. So we sort of decided to do it before, I think we did it about a week before lockdown. And it it seems amazing that we were having actually a discussion about it. And there are a few people saying, well, maybe we don't need to cancel anything yet. Other people were very adamant that we definitely should. And then lo and behold, within days, we were obviously told that we definitely should. But we'd taken the decision, I think, about a week before lockdown, um, mostly because there is an association between... Uh, physical health and the trans community and we've got a lot of vulnerable members in many ways who would be probably even in the shielding group and we have it's just 
we decided about a week before but it was still equally as sudden uh, you know I've still got literally got two boxes full of biscuits for the support group in my shed that are just gonna have to like I mean I suppose I should eat them really and stop them going to waste but you know it's just boxes of them because if we'd have known we wouldn't have bought more <laughs> so yeah yeah it was literally that sudden you're right and it was yeah. like some slamming on some brakes it was, it yeah. was crazy I mean, it, yeah, I mean, I can remember how quickly, like I say, it changed within my workplace where it was like one minute they were sort of everyone was in. Then it was, oh, well, we'll, we'll change it to we'll just have people if we need them in. And then I think within a couple of days, it was like, oh, right, it's shut. The office is mm -hmm. shut. Everyone's working from home. I mean, and mm -hmm. I remember I was at a, a gig on the weekend before it happened and it's staggering to think actually yeah. oh it's weird to think that we were still allowed to mix in big groups and then suddenly like yeah, I mean, even, uh, yeah i mean even then we were saying you know this is probably the last time so yeah it, it was yeah. you know we'd obviously i mean we're all aware of what was happening mm. you know, at, at that point what was happening in places like italy and spain and things so i think you know. Yeah, it was a similar thing with me. I went into uh, to London actually to a, a trans-related event, and it was really weird. I remember sort of like standing there waiting for trains, and it really felt like that bit in a movie just before the apocalypse <laughs> happens. It was sort of, you know, I remember we had a photo of us all there, and I'd, it was just like a movie where you see like a photo of normality and think, oh, I wish we were back there. It was only a few months ago. Yeah, um, yeah, it was very strange. Um, very weird. I was quite lucky myself because I actually got ill quite early and it, it was very, very likely to be COVID. So yeah. I sort of had experienced it even just before the lockdown happened, which was a very strange situation to be in. Um, but yeah, it was it was a really weird time, that kind of that drifting into lockdown and then suddenly it happening before we were all sort of ready for it, I think. Yeah, it's, the whole thing, I mean, although, you know, we're obviously where we are now, but I keep saying to people, it's like this. If you'd have talked to people in December, mm. this would have sounded like something from a science fiction movie. Yeah. And then by Feb, and well by March, we're in a lockdown, and even then, we already knew it was. I mean, I remember talking to people on the podcast from like um, venues and clubs that mm. are all currently closed for for now. And it wasn't even, and this was only in February, and it wasn't even sort of broached or brought up or sort of skirted around. There was no sense that these places were going to be shut in within a month. It was very no, nothing at all. Same in my office. I I, I work uh, at the university, so obviously, and we obviously we have a large uh, Chinese contingent there. So it was one of the first places that had massive COVID posters yeah. up and everything. And that was the first time where I got a slight chill down my spine because I think with all of the other illnesses we've had in the past and the pandemics, it, it, I don't know, there was more of a kind of foreboding for this and definitely seeing those posters. I can't remember, it was, it was quite some time ago. It must have been sort of perhaps January or February. But seeing those instantly made me think, oh, heck, something's, something big is about to happen. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, very, it, very strange time to be alive. <laughs> yeah, it was very strange, like you say, because usually we, we have these pandemics I mean I can remember swine flu and being given mm. you know provided medication by my work mm. but, and and uh, and then a bird flu h1n1 yeah, and things like yeah. that. but they never it never happened like this did it was you know this mm. they kind of 
they were there and obviously they they had an impact and I guess a lot of these kind of viruses as well they tend to be um, localized within areas where they mm. have a bigger impact than other while this has been obviously a global thing yeah it's very strange it's not, yeah. not to yeah at least with the, the swine flu one um, I think I had that as well because I had flu at the same time as swine flu I think I'm one of these people who just picks all this up <laughs> But that was, um, yeah, I mean, that wasn't even as bad as real flu, so that was fine. I think the COVID one, it's the randomness of it. It's its how you can seem to pick it up so easily, and then some people don't have any symptoms. Yeah. Some people like me have it very mildly, and then there's other people where it just wipes them out. It's, uh, it's just very weird, very strange. It's quite nice that its it feels as though it's unlocking a bit, but it's a bit sort yeah. of a bit scary, but... Um, you know, but I actually, I actually got along really. I, I don't know why I moan. I really enjoyed lockdown. In many ways. <laughs> it's had it, it's it's had its ups and down. I haven't I yeah. haven't uh, I haven't minded the fact that you know my commute to work has changed from you know half an hour to thirty seconds. Yeah, <laughs> so I only have miles away from work, but I'm so happy to just get out of bed and then I'm at work. It's great. Yes, yeah. Although I've got um, the fun of homeschooling, which has been oh, crikey, a challenge. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, I'm all on my own, so I have no, none of that. I don't have anybody to worry about. <laughs> so obviously, you we you talked there about how you basically you had you put a stop to everything mm. in, in in one go just before the lockdown. Yeah. But how? So how did you then go about? Obviously, the speed you needed to put together alternate ideas in because obviously yeah, you, so, you didn't have long. It's not like you had a little long in one to to plan a schedule or no so we there were sort of various things we decided to do um the first thing we decided is that we, we have two very regular events which is a support group that's normally on the first monday um of the month and that's normally a physical meetup um and then we also have a physical meetup as a, as a social um which is you know where we don't talk about heavy things we do it if we want to but it's mainly just going out for a drink so we we're quite adamant that we were going to find at least those two things to do in an alternate way um and we sort of sort of toyed with different kind of platforms and, and everything and in the end we thought actually zoom would be perfect for it so we we literally run those events over zoom um and they've been they've been really successful it's a very different feel obviously and i think the support group um is definitely a different feel yeah. however we have found that there's different people coming to who would normally come to the physical meetup um as well as the regulars uh, coming to zoom meetings as well so the one thing i think we've taken away from this is that actually it might be good for us to not only have the physical meetup but actually also have the zoom as well because there are people um like i say there's a high level of um uh, disability in our community yeah some people who literally can't make it to the meeting sometimes and it might be great if actually we have a zoom option so it's opened our minds in that way um we also had to do lots of other things we've got some um, the the bulletin which we send out monthly is normally uh, it has a few little bits of news in it and everything but generally speaking a lot of it stays the same because it's all the regular events and things but that suddenly became very different it suddenly became a real focus and it became something which was actually quite vital information so we included in stuff like that um, things like we we contact the local gender um, gender clinic once a month because obviously treatment you know treatment was possibly going to be interrupted and appointments might have been interrupted and obviously changed as well because you can't physically go to the gender clinic anymore. 
So we found that we sort of had to change the way we did the bulletin and everything. Um, and the Facebook group has bubbled along the same as normal, but I think people are, people are much more engaged with it because I think, again, it's another place that can replace the sort of physical meeting um, of trans people. No, no, I mean, I think that's very interesting, uh, what you said about the, the lessons you've learned from this time. And I think that's, and I often say that uh, one of the things you see during times like this of adversity is it often does lead to exciting things happening, innovation and things like that. And you've, like you said there, you've realised that Zoom meetings, which probably, you know, possibly would never have happened had this not occurred, you've now realised that there, there's actually a benefit to them outside of the whole lockdown. So the there are definite sort of um, things to take away from this time that can hopefully um, play a role in the future in improving and offering better services. Yeah, definitely. I think this is, I think that was something which we probably, I mean, it's an, I don't think it's that we hadn't thought about it before, but I think all of us were not really sort of up on how Zoom works. And I think we weren't really sort of, you know, we just weren't in that mindset of the fact that we could actually offer support and not physically be there. I think that was just something that hadn't really crossed our minds. Um, and it's it, it's so great that we've all got over our kind of fear of all of these um, technological, you know, programs and things. And we're also, we, you know, we're also fluid with Zoom now. We, can, we all know exactly what we're doing. Um, very few people are now leaving their mic off by accident and things like that. And people are learning the etiquette of turning their mics off and of you know of sharing space in um a virtual sharing a virtual space which is different because it's it's quite easy for certainly in support group way you know making sure everyone has their say can sometimes be difficult um talking over someone obviously is much more difficult you quite often have two people not realizing they're talking at the same time but kind of People are kind of learning how to use this technology. And as time goes on, I think we are realizing that there's a massive benefit to it and that we can probably reach a lot of people. Um, because, I mean, we also, we also cover sort of outside of Nottingham. We do cover the, the local area. We don't really have a strict boundary on that, really. I mean, if somebody wants to come in from quite a distance away because we're the people closest who offer help, then um, help and support the community, then that's absolutely fine. So for those people, it might be better because they don't have to come on a weekday evening all the way into town. Um, and some people obviously don't have the transport to do that yeah. as well. So yeah, it's been a great learning, great learning curve. Yeah. It's interesting as well, obviously, that I guess one of the, uh, the possibilities is uh, for, for the sort of virtual meets even beyond this is a, um, is a way for people to to ease themselves into the community mm. because that you know the taking that first step it could be a big step and yeah. you know maybe that's a nice point between being ready to go out mm. and actually physically meet people you know yeah, but, which even you know lots of people are really yeah. struggle with i mean yeah. you know face face me but that gives that because of the the sort of zoom the way zoom's made in and built and the way you can mm. interact on it it does mean that you can then almost you can then go along to these events already having got to know people, which obviously yeah. can be massive. Yeah. I think it, particularly with um, this community, I know that when people approach us, I think people can be quite worried about the way they look 
physically because obviously when when you come to terms with your gender identity you you the chances are you look very very much different on the outside to how you feel on the inside and I think people sometimes think there might be an expectation that if they go to a trans support group they should in some way look a certain way or you know if they are identifying as female they should look you know presenting as female and I think people worry that they can't turn up to a space with just literally a feeling that they've had for a long time but still looking very physically like the gender they were assigned at birth um, and obviously for non-binary identifying people or people who identify outside male and female um, obviously again I think they feel the weight of expectation that you have to in some way look a particular way or you have to have had certain treatments to be trans and I think um, obviously that's not the space we run we are a hundred percent inclusive space of any gender you know any gender presentation and we respect whatever pronoun and name people want to be known by um, but I think doing it on zoom can often make it much easier because for a start you're only seen from sort of like the waist up so yeah. You know, there's only so much information you can give about yourself, but also there's also the option to not even be seen at all and to just be able to just be in the space and just listen to what's going on. Um, you know, for example, you and I at the moment are just talking and we can't physically yeah. see each other. And I think that that sort of ability to do that for the trans community might be great because people just might want to be able to talk about what they're feeling inside without actually worrying about what they currently look like. Um, so yeah, so I think for this community in particular, Zoom is actually is actually a really, really good tool. Yeah, and like you say, there it gives it, it offers the op different options depending on what you're comfortable with and ready for. Mm. And I think and it is very, you know, very difficult um, to get away from that that feeling that people are, are judging your appearance. Mm. Mm. No, you know, even when you know, and even in a community that that's inclusive, like your support groups, mm. you know, a lot of the time people's, just, you know, own in a in a monologue is their worst enemy in that sense. Mm. Definitely. So, yeah. Definitely. So having that option, like you say, and, and it gives people the chance to 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 move at their own speed, which is so important. Yeah, and even just little touches like, um, like for example, on, on, on my Zoom, I've got not only my, the name that I'm known by rather than my birth name, um, I've also got my pronouns on there as yeah. well, which means that you instantly don't have to worry what you shouldn't have to worry, that somebody's going to um, misgender you and, and give you the wrong pronoun because they're, they're literally looking at a screen that has your name and your pronouns. So... So I think that's that's really useful as well. And it's a nice way of doing it subtly. I do work on Zoom outside of Lots Trans Hub. And just having my pronouns there is quite nice because in a physical meetings, I quite often have to sort of re-emphasize the fact that I, I go by a gender neutral pronoun, whereas on Zoom, it's right there. I don't have to say anything. People might ask. Um, yeah. I've had a people say or oh, what's what they them why, why is that in brackets underneath your name um and then that can start a conversation about what it is and how i'd like to be referred to but most people will see that and just know what it means and i think that's that's really useful in this digital world definitely yes and i think that's um definitely something that i've it's, it appears to have um it's something that's become utilized a lot more 
in in the last I don't know, couple of years. Mm. With, you're seeing a lot more of that on on uh, Twitter. Is I guess the the prime mm. place where people have started to put uh, pronouns into their um, profile um, mm. description yeah. or whatever you want to call it. And as you say, um, it can make it more comfortable for people. Mm. And but also it can, as you said there, it can also start a conversation. Mm, definitely. Um, and, Definitely. Uh, no. I think it's kind of the way we're moving right now and I think it's um, I, I had somebody contact me to ask whether they thought it was good advice to have they them on um, uh, email signatures and whether that was singling out trans people I said actually it's completely the opposite because when we introduce ourselves to somebody we normally just say our name if we get automatically that every single person says their pronoun as well it means that it stops a lot of confusion and it stops a lot of difficulties um, and you know a lot of painful situations and it just makes it so much much easier um, and certainly um, I work within transgender health myself so I obviously when we go around the table at a meeting you say your name you say your pronoun yeah. and it's so easy to do but it's so validating to know that you've been able to specify the way you'd like to be addressed. Um, and you know, it's very respectful. But I think there's a lot of organizations and things that are doing that. And I think it's one way that the world is slowly moving yeah. and more trans inclusive. Yeah, and I think, you know, you, we'll, we'll probably look back in, you know, hopefully, hopefully not too distant future and mm -hmm. it'll, it'll just feel like that's the way it, it is. While mm -hmm. if, you know, I can't, you know, I think back to growing up and, you the assumption of someone was either he or she and that was mm. it based entirely mm. on appearance and i know that still happens and i know yeah. not everybody is as accepting of mm. uh, of, of yeah. gender neutral pronouns or or any of you know mm. people i've seen people moaning about it being on twitter I mean, yeah. I don't know why, because it actually has absolutely yeah. no impact on anything. But. Yeah, I had that happen to me. Um, somebody moaned about me putting it on Twitter. I did point out that I also said on there that I was a juggler, um, and they haven't moaned that I've yeah. been ramming that down their throats. Um, you know, and it also says that I'm a runner, and it, uh, you know, it says all of the details about me. I'm not actually, you know, I'm not asking you to do anything other than respects the fact that that's the way I prefer to be referred to you know it's it's not um I think people like to make these things a much bigger deal than they yeah. are and I think we, looking backwards I think um I was a, a journalist for the whole I was an LGBT journalist for the whole time that um the sort of gay rights movement was trying to move towards you know to kind of towards the situation we're in now and if you look back um there was just an automatic assumption that if I said I had a partner, people would auto automatically assume I meant somebody, you know, I meant, um, obviously this now confused by the fact that I'm non-binary, but at the time I identified as female um, and people read me as female. So I, at the time, if I said I had a partner, people would assume I'm talking about a man. Or if I said I was yeah. married, they would assume I'm talking about being married to a guy. And you now find the situation is so much more different that people don't make that assumption. Um, and I think we're moving in the same way with gender identity. I think we, we, we're very slowly clunking along. I mean, it's had a lot of setbacks recently, a huge amount yeah. of setbacks. But I think the overall feeling is that we are moving towards a much more accepting culture and one where we will eventually perhaps get to the stage where we just don't assume things about people. Yeah, 
Well, yeah, mm-hmm. and hopefully, as you said, I mean, it's it's certainly um, improving, um, mm. not necessarily at the, the rate. That not the, yeah, not at the moment. I, mean, I think it's taking a big step back, but it, I think you know, I think I think the general trajectory maybe. Yes, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, like you say, especially at a time like this when there's been a lot of um, quite a nasty pushback in a sense mm. that it, it can be difficult to to look at the like I said, it can be difficult to look at the progress that has been made when yeah. it feels like I mean it, it, there's definitely a feeling at the minute that it's the trans community is coming under the kind of attacks that the gay community or LGBT or LGBT yeah. community were coming out coming under you know in, in say the 80s mm. and, I, and I know they still get and I think I think there's some tied up in that where you know mm. a lot of the people that have a problem obviously not everybody but I think a lot of the people that have issues with with gender identity if you mm. actually get to it they are they have issues with a lot more than that they, they yeah. you know it doesn't take long before you start to find out they have problems with you know uh, gay people uh, bisexual yeah. people um, I think you're right definitely I think it's um it's also it, it, to me it, it it it's obviously it's awful the things uh, particularly recently with obviously the you know the, the massive step backwards the government have taken and things but for me it, it feels as though you you know when you make progress you do have to kick up a hornet's nest and I think with the whole gender recognition act um, uh, consultation I think we definitely did kick the hornet's nest yeah. and I think it's terrible that we have to. You know, it's terrible that we have to do that in order to make progress, but it does feel a lot like the Christian right when um, the fight for same-sex marriage um, happened and all of the other sort of um, groundbreaking legislation that happens. And I think it's a thing that happens. I think it's very, very strange that it's more in the area of, of, of feminism because, you know, the, the vast majority of trans people I know are very, obviously, very feminist and very supporting um, of of, of women's rights and um, it is a very strange enemy that you're kind of facing um yeah, yeah and i think it is i think it is a very very vocal minority uh, as far as i can tell uh but it is very strange that in some ways we're pulling in the same direction as them but then for some reason there's this big issue where they're completely different to you know completely different in terms of equality it's, it, it is very strange um yeah it's very odd but it but it might well be a sign that we're maybe starting to at least get the issue really talked about, albeit in a very negative and sometimes quite damaging way. Hopefully it, it's part of progress, but I think we'll have to have to wait and see what happens. Yeah, and I think that's it. I think none of the, um, the rights that any community have gained in time have ever been handed to them no. they've always been fought for whether it's mm. you know gay rights civil rights mm. you know suffragettes and things like that. not no one no one gave them over because people asked nicely they people fought mm. you know mm. even workers rights even ev- mm. every right that we now many of which we now take for granted although obviously we're seeing on a great on a big scale and mm. um, that maybe in you know in, in many areas we don't realise that these rights aren't as um, as progressive as we may think they are. Mm. That yeah. that they've always it's always been 
people have fought and there's always been massive fight backs from the, yeah, the establishment. They yeah, definitely. They, yeah, like you say, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't come out of the blue. And also there's always, you know, one of the beauties of the human race is that we all have very different opinions. And while that's fantastic, it does mean that if there's one strong opinion in one direction, there will always be a strong opinion in the other direction. Um, yeah. And I think we're all aware that it's, yeah, in the, I, I think it's very, very tiring and very draining for a community that is already very, very under attack. Um, particularly as the bathroom issue is one of the major issues because that's actually one of the biggest sources of anxiety for trans people is going into a public bathroom. Yeah. Um, and I think those sorts of things you face on a daily basis are quite tiring. And it is difficult that we then, in order to get rights, would also have to take on this kind of like you say this kind of fight because there's a lot of kickback um but uh, hopefully you know hopefully we'll sort of get through it and and there will be some big changes within our lifetimes um and i know it's it's quite easy at the moment to look very negatively upon it because um you know things aren't moving very fast and it does feel like in lots of ways we've taken a lot of step backs um but yeah like i say i'm hopeful that's part of the process yeah. and i think mm. You know, we I look at it and I think, and I guess I think one of the issues, obviously, around gender identity is a lot of people just don't understand, yeah, uh, what gender identity is. And obviously, with you know, if you you know, if you my age went to school in the nineties and things like, that, you you were taught at school male and female, mm, and mm. that you know that was it. And I think you know, improvements in education as we move forward will obviously play a huge part in it so you mm. know the the, ch the children that are going you know and again we're seeing firebacks again i mean we still see firebacks against even teaching mm. um any lgbt I and mean, we saw yeah. protests didn't we just last year i think against we did yeah locally um, as well but it was nice yeah. to see local opposition to that as well that was um it was nice the way yeah. a lot of the community responded and said yeah we do want our kids to be taught equality actually so that was quite heartwarming and yeah, and I think I think that's I think it's trying to figure out as well, you know, that I think a lot of the the opposition perhaps comes from lack of understanding as opposed to outright um, mm. disagreement. Yeah. I'm, I'm not all of it, obviously, but I definitely think there's an educational. Yeah, issue. I think there must be. I think it, I think it must be because a lot of the people who are quite vocal are also um, seem otherwise quite educated and fairly reasonable sort of people um and it is strange that they're, they're sort of finding it hard to perhaps put themselves in in another person's shoes um so yeah I, I, it's it's really interesting where this really strong kickback comes from and i think you're right i think a lot of it is that we don't really teach i mean a lot of people don't even know the difference between sex and gender and assume of course yeah they're interchangeable and and an endless frustration with me is the amount of academic papers i've just been reading one this afternoon where they said that they divided um they divided participants by gender um but literally they had male and female and they also didn't make any comment about how they divided them and by what i could see is they looked at the names and looked at whether it was a male or female name and did it that way and say so that's if you're talking you know talk about biological sex as opposed to gender and we're starting to get there but we're yeah. only starting to get there because it's still more complicated than that because 
you know, biological sex is, is, is not a binary system either. Um, and we're not taught that in schools. I think we're taught that one in 100 births has some sort of mistake or something, but that's not, that's not the case. It's, yeah. it's, it's much more complex than that. Um, and I think that's part of the problem is that, yeah, like you say, a lot of people in my life are faced with something that they just only know their own experience of. And that's not, you know, that's not the experience of every person uh, that you're ever going to meet. And I, it would be great if we could get much more education out there. Same, similar to the way that, that, you know, LGBT History Month um, and, and sort of, you know, schemes like this have kind of taught that actually, you know, that the, there are there are people with different sexualities. It's not just gay and straight. There's a whole sort of spectrum. And it would be great if we could get a more education um, out there, not just even in schools, but to like the population as a whole and just be able to kind of explain a little bit more, um, you know, the complexities of this. Because it's obviously not going to be simple because nothing in life to do with no. humans ecology is. <laughs> and it's that, um, and it, this, this comes up so often, but it's this, you know, we live in an age where it's never been easier to access information. Mm, but yeah. it's also never been easier to support your own belief, whatever yeah. that pre-step. So, you know, if you've gone in there with a preconceived, and we all have, obviously we all have our own biases and we all have our own mm. preconceived beliefs. And it, it's so easy to use, take, make use of uh, social media or search engines to search in a way that you will only get confirmation of your belief Absolutely. rather than mm. a, a sort of a wide um, spectrum of opinion offering the, the, the different sides so that you can actually evaluate it. And it's just such a, and it's, you know, I think we all, I think many of us thought, you know, when the internet started taking mm. off that everyone would become a bit more open-minded, but it, when you look at some of the things happening in the world and, the kind of people mm. that are getting into power you wonder if it's actually going the other way <laughs> yeah definitely. oh definitely it's... yeah I was just listening to a bit of Donald Trump's latest rally oh, no. <laughs> I was like, how how is this bloke how is he there and I I do think the internet like you say has a lot to do with it because if you're looking you know it's confirmation bias if you put something into your, your search engine you, you you know you'll come up with what you search for and you can guarantee people searching if they're not pro-transgender people will be searching for things that aren't pro-transgender. They'll be searching yeah. for, you know, searching for stuff that proves that, that, that trans women are a danger to um, cis women in toilets. You know, they will, they will be able to find one case from many, many years ago, which will prove their point and not look at it in a much more scientific broad kind of overview majority kind of view. so yeah I, I, it is an eternal frustration I think it's one of those things um, where I'm endlessly sort of sending friends and family links of reputable stuff where I can say look can you just read this because this is what I feel and what I am um, and I think you're right I think you can uh, you can definitely sort of support whatever bias you want to using the internet so I'm you know it is a shame, but at the same time, the, 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 you know, the, whole, the whole range of science on this subject is still open to people. It's all there. You know, the papers which show that the difference between sex and gender, the, 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 the papers which show 
sex not being a binary construct and certainly gender identity not being a binary construct it's all there it's yeah. just that you can choose if you want to choose to ignore it then people choose to ignore it but i think that's not really you know that's not gonna it's not gonna help anyone if you ignore bits of the internet no. that you don't like really so mm. that's it um i think i think we have to remember it to agree that the, the internet and social media as a whole are actually still somewhat in their infancy mm. i know it feels like we've had them forever but in the, the scheme of compared to other forms of communication they're, yeah they're still young they're still um, it's still i don't think it's really been it's been figured out yet our best it will work mm. and i think hopefully in time things like it'll get i mean we're seeing elements of search engines now starting to seemingly be a bit more uh proactive in you know pointing false stories out you know facebook now you can see mm. when articles are shared and there'll be a fact check underneath yeah I'm, sh I'm sure you saw the absolute meltdown donald trump had when twitter, <laughs> yeah. twitter fact checked his statements so oh, <laughs> you know, one of my favorite mornings that was great <laughs> to, to shut the internet down <laughs> That's right. It sounds as though you're sort of a similar age to me. I think we're an interesting generation because certainly I remember a time uh, before mobiles and not not technically before the internet, but I do remember, you know, being maybe perhaps about a teenager when my first when I first went on the internet. And mm. I think I think our generation, I hope we're a little bit more savvy to it because we remember having to go into a library to look things up and we remember just not knowing things and not really you know only being able to access the news once once or twice a day on the telly and only being told what you know it was kind of a, it was very much it being told to us and i think yeah yeah and i think you're right adapting to the situation where it's a searching rather than a receiving um, role. You know, when you play a more active role in finding information. And I think, yeah, I think it is kind of a downfall. The only good thing that our generation had, particularly if we went to college and university, is that I was definitely, like in the early days, back in 1906 or wherever it was I went to university, um, I was told that I can't cite anything from the internet. I can't look for any information for my essays from the internet because it's an unreliable source. Yeah. I think that's one good thing that, that perhaps people in their perhaps in their forties maybe have going for them is that at least we know that there's a lot of fake stuff out there. Yeah. And it is great. I mean it is great. I mean when Donald Trump was called out on his um, tweet, I think that was a landmark in like the internet. I think that's when we're really starting now to try and find ways to make sure information is credible and you know make sure it's been checked in the way perhaps that academics would check stuff to make sure that it definitely has some sort of solid basis to it definitely yeah and uh as i say again this is something that i can can only come with uh experience and you know we algorithms and things will get better mm. um, i mean you know which could could have the opposite effect in that obviously the more narrower and specific algorithms get then the more likely you are to pull up something um specific to what you're searching for depending mm. on what you put in but i think it really it, it really needs everybody involved from the you know from the organizations running the social media and the search engines to the people using it to the people putting the information out Definitely. it's going to need everyone working together to make sure that information 
is uh, mm. good quality. Um, yeah, and making sure we don't over-censor as well, because obviously it could swing the other way, and then we're not allowing information because of some particular bias that many mm. people have. So yeah, it is striking that balance, isn't it? And finding a way to make sure, yeah. you know, and also educating, you know, people, people kind of, exactly educating themselves, but kind of learning how to double check what they're reading against other sources and things like that. And I know it's something that I'm not very good at myself either, because certainly I've got my own little echo chamber that I like to, you know, just sit in. Um, but yeah, I think it is important to be able to double check, you know, what you're saying and things. I know I've been caught up by it before because I just haven't realised that something I've said is either incorrect or is has a ramification I haven't thought of, I yeah. suppose. Mm. Yeah, it's that, I mean, and I mean, at the end of the day, I don't think any of us like to find out something we've um, had a long, you know, held as a close belief or thought he's right yeah. is wrong. Or yeah. that you know that, we're, uh, but and it and like you say, we all fall into that trap. I know I, you know, I fell into the the bubble in terms of um, sort of left wing politics and things like that in yeah. in the past. Um, to the point where you start to feel like, well, everyone seems to be progressing better, and then you, you know it's just it's only everyone you're seeing. Yeah, that's <laughs> and, it. Yeah. As as we found out. Like a vote on Brexit or something, and you suddenly realise that the majority of people don't think the way you think. Exactly. Yeah. Or a general election or something like that. Yeah. 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 And I know. I did think about doing. Um, I was thinking about doing a, a sort of like personal experiment where maybe I set up a Twitter who is far right nats and starts following. <laughs> or, you know. So I so I so I have a separate echo chamber where I kind of do get a lot of the Daily Mail stories, <laughs> and I do get a lot of the. You know, we're not Katie Hopkins anymore as well, of course, because she's oh, a child. No, that's a shame, <laughs> You know, so if I follow those sort of people, uh, would that change what I feel about the world? I don't think it would, but it would be really interesting to sort of see what other people's news feeds are like. Because yeah. I like, yeah, people must be seeing a different world to myself because I don't know how people express the opinions they do uh knowing this the knowledge that i have and they're probably thinking the same thing of me like how can you possibly support this when this that and that happens so yeah so i think things like that might be a good exercise it's, it's a difficult thing though isn't it because i mean i used to um en engage quite a lot in in sort of trying to discuss with people on you know on articles and things Mm. to challenge people but I ended up having to stop doing it because I found it doesn't work no, it doesn't. and all it ended up doing was actually it ended up with just me getting madder and angrier yeah, you just I, get angry. I didn't achieve it yeah no I think this is the experience of a lot of trans people because I think Twitter is one of the places where transphobia is absolutely right oh and definitely I, yeah no, I, to begin with I, I sort of thought I, I really should be one of the people who pushes against this and challenges people but in the end I just realized I'm not I'm not actually going to be making a difference that way and there's other ways I can make a difference in this world rather than sitting here at three in the morning being really annoyed because that person just didn't understand what I was saying and because somebody was rude to me um so yeah there's a great thing called turf blocker on um, Twitter and anybody who has posted anything which looks like it might be anti-trans you can report them and then people who sign up to turf blockers um they just don't get to see the content at all yeah. 
So it means that my newsfeed doesn't really have much of the transphobic stuff in it. Only the stuff that trans people have perhaps retweeted to yeah. show what's going on. So like obviously the JK Rowling stuff. I knew about that through trans people rather than actually seeing her stuff. Because obviously she's blocked to me because she's definitely been blocked by turf blocker. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I think there's a, there's a way of approaching it. I don't think arguments over the internet ever result in somebody going, you know what, by Jove, I think you're right. No. You know, um, it's just not the environment where that happens. I think face to face in a very calm, reasonable conversation, you might be able to plant a seed in someone's mind. It grows, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm much more for societal change. I think if society as a whole shifts towards more acceptance, you know, more and more people follow. And for example, the people who were very anti-same-sex marriage ten years ago, to the point where they really said things like, "Oh, we'll be marrying people to their dogs' necks." Yeah, those are the same, yeah, they're the same people who have attended same-sex weddings and said, "Isn't it beautiful? And isn't it lovely?" And I know because I've been to a couple of them and I definitely know a few people there who were quite anti that only 10 years ago. Yeah. I think that's a big way of trying to move society as a whole rather than individuals. And it's so hard to do because it's so hard to be able to say, you know what, you just said something awful to me, but that's fine. And then walking away, it's so difficult because you feel like you can't let that person walk around the world with that opinion. But, you know, they, they probably won't for the rest of their life. As, as society changes, they'll probably change as well. And if they don't, they'll just get left behind. <laughs> so Yeah, I think, I think that's, that's right. And I think that's why when things like the, um, the, the Equality Act and things like that, that's why that was really important for people to share their opinions then. Because yeah. that is something that can have a societal impact. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. you know, they, they, that will, what, what, what goes through from that, will have far more impact than anything you say on Twitter. Mm. Unfortunately, obviously, the Gender Recognition Act one wasn't actually listened to because. No, no. Yeah, I think it was over seventy percent. I think it was it might have been seventy-five percent, but certainly over seventy percent of people were in favour of a lot of the changes which have now been rejected. Which is strange yeah. because. 52% of people were in favour of Brexit and that's like apparently that's something they really should honour whereas if 70 to 75% of people say trans people should have more rights that's something they feel they can turn around and go oh no no we, I don't think so so yeah but I know what you mean though I think it is those sort of ways of being able to you know being able to shift society as a whole and I think for me just being visible and unfortunately sometimes being a bit of a punch bag but being able to sort of just, you know, be a person in someone's lives where they can at least say that they know somebody who's non-binary and as they get to know me, they might get to know a little bit more about me. I know a lot of, you know, a lot of my close friends started off really lost with the whole thing and now they're practically experts and I think that's just because I've gone on and on <laughs> to them about it. But they've gone now into the world much more understanding of it and I think if, they came across somebody who was very anti uh, non-binary people. I think they, I, I like to think they'd actually have some comeback from that and actually stand yeah. up for me. So, so I think that's the way that, you know, that I would, that's the way I think rather than getting upset about someone on Twitter, I think it took me a while to recognise that, but that's definitely the way to go about it. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point as well, because I think, you know, again, you know, as somebody who, who does know 
trans and non-binary people, mm. I think you have to then realise that, you know, a lot of the people um, that maybe don't aren't as supportive or um, in, of it, they, they mm. perhaps haven't ever had interactions or at least to their knowledge. Mm. And I think it's, it's so easy to, to have a, to look at people in a certain way, isn't it? Mm. When you can, you know, when you, you know, you've, you've experienced or you know people from those communities mm. that you, you sort of think, well, everyone should think the same way. Mm. You know, <laughs> it's yeah. again, and again, that comes to education and with more, obviously with, with more understanding and more acceptance and yeah, as we move forward, obviously more people will hopefully feel confident enough to um, to be able to to come out if they wish to and to live how they wish to live. Because I'm sure there is even that, I'm sure there are plenty of people now. You know, we we live in an age where footballers still don't feel comfortable to come out um, yeah, as yeah. gay. So there is almost certainly people that mm. are you know afraid to come out. Yeah, definitely. We definitely see a lot of people who've lived the most of their life and it's only when they get to a stage where maybe they haven't got a lot of their family alive anymore. Maybe sometimes it's even after their partner has died and that's the only point in their life where they say, right, now I'm prepared to be able to go out and sort of be the person I am. And that's, well, that's absolutely lovely because obviously they have got to a stage where they feel confident and it's nice they've been able to do that within their lifetime. I'm sure they'd agree it'd be much nicer if they felt that society would have been more accept accepting of them at a much younger age. Although obviously, yeah, there are, there are um, it, you know, it is still very difficult for trans youth. But when I was younger, I, I can't think that I knew anyone else my age who was trans. Um, so it's so nice that at least the younger generation that is coming up, obviously there are, you know, I'm not saying it's really easy for uh, trans kids at all or trans teenagers, but it does feel as though at least they feel a bit more able to be able to be themselves, which I think will be absolutely, you know, in the future, that will be great because they might have been able to have lived the majority of their life in the gender identity that they were born with. And I think that's, you know, that would be a great thing if that was the case, that somebody could come out as trans at a very young age um, and have it accepted all the way up until the end of their life. Um, we've got a way to go before that, obviously. But, um, you know, it's nice to see the younger generation seem more sort of clued up on this sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's, that's the key, isn't it? Like you said, we there's a long way to go yet, but it's about keeping it going Yeah. in that mm. direction, um, mm. no matter what seems to be coming back the other way um, yeah, and it, yeah like saying and it does feel at the moment it's it, there's a sense it almost feels like uh, transphobia almost is like the only acceptable is the one is, is mm. the sort of one still acceptable attitude to have so you know yeah I think it's I think it's the one that I mean I think um I think it's the one thing where if you did post something transphobic on Facebook you're not necessarily going to get people say hang on a minute, that's terrible. If you post something that's perhaps a bit, you know, it's depending on who your Facebook friends are and everything, but I think certainly with the Black Lives Matter stuff recently, I've seen people who have perhaps sometimes accidentally posted things that they don't realise are to disarm the Black Lives, um, um, Black Lives Matter movement. 
things like some people posting things about all lives matter and things like that and not really understanding yeah. derailing things but they have been called on it whereas i think you're right i think if people post things that are transphobic they're not always called on it and they quite often get a lot of people applauding them for it so yeah it is it is it's somewhere that's got a long way to go definitely yeah totally agree as you say it's um i think part of the reason people i guess one of the reasons i guess people don't are less likely to call people out on it i guess again is um it's one of those things where a lot of people don't really understand it yeah and it can and it can be difficult to feel comfortable calling someone out if you don't feel you have the big enough understanding you know we can all you know it's easy to come and say look your attitude things what you're saying is wrong but it's Mm. about having that confidence to then be able to explain it a bit further and as you say even now even scientists scientific understanding in gender is evolving all the time as it is in everything Mm. and like you say a lot of people don't even understand the difference between sex and gender which is a massive issue and that arguably is one of the the linchpins of of getting a better people to understand that better and hopefully that's something that's happening in schools more i think will be a massive um Mm. step forward once people get a better understanding of that yeah, definitely. Um, which I mean, I, to be perfectly honest, if someone had said to me when I was a teenager, I probably would probably wouldn't have been able to tell you they were different. No, I wouldn't um, definitely. I so. think I think then as well. I think uh, I mean I think for me growing up certainly as non-binary, um, and something which I found in my own research is that just knowing the word non-binary makes things click into place. But that was not something that was around growing up. You were either, you know, male, female, or transgender, and I think certainly for me growing up, I had an inner feeling that I definitely wasn't female. But then at the same time, if I didn't necessarily want to be male, then uh, I must be female. And I think, yeah, you say just learning the difference and learning that something exists. And that even if you do identify as a trans female or trans male, it doesn't mean that you can't still have a sort of more non-binary sort of feeling. And yeah, I think you're right. I think it is about sort of um, exposure and people sort of learning a lot more. And hopefully we can learn a lot from the from the, the gay community, the LGB community, um, because that is, an, again, another place where people had to learn about same-sex relationships and they yeah. had to be visual and they had to be seen. And, you know, it's there's no big deal about a gay character in a soap anymore. It's just yeah. not a big deal. And that's the stage we need to get to, really. Um, which will take time, but hopefully, I'm hopeful. I think as well, I think one of the, you talked there about, obviously, you know, it was that you're either male, female or trans. Mm-hmm. And I think the one of the problems we have, and I think this is, as, as, a, as humans, as a species, is mm-hmm. the idea that everything has to have a place and yeah. an answer. And yeah. we struggle with this idea of fluidity. And, mm-hmm. you, you know, you talked about the, the gay lgb community there and even then i can remember and i still see it now there's a lot of people that don't believe bisexuality exists you yeah, are either gay or straight. lesbian or straight you I can't was talking to somebody about that the other day yeah you can't be there's there's no way you can possibly be both because that means that you're not in a little box it means yes. you're in between boxes and people very much don't get that and i think in society you know even down to the socks we wear 
have some sort of gender identity needlessly attached to them. Mm. There's no reason why, I mean, the pink and blue thing is, is the ultimate thing because that was only really a marketing tool that was started, you know, sort of, I, I can't remember the exact time, I think it was the 30s or 40s, but it was because everyone realized that clothes were just being passed down through the family and so people were buying one nice set of clothes and that went to every child from that family and the idea of pink being a girl's color was only settled on you know like in the 30s or 40s it was actually quite a masculine color for a long time because it's the wrong color um and now we take these things so much for granted and we just have we put gender in such stupid places it's really bizarre that like deodorants have a typical man smell and a typical mm. female smell there's no reason for that it literally doesn't represent anything it's just something that yeah particularly the socks i'm always getting annoyed at the socks <laughs> you know there's just yeah, no yeah. Yeah, like, it's, it, the socks should be grouped by different sizes they don't have to be boys and girls they could no. be pink socks that guys could wear you know but um yeah, it's one of my bugbears, really. Yeah. But yeah, generally everywhere we look. And it's only when we open our eyes to it that we realise we're all being forced into our gender roles by society because everything is needlessly gendered. So. Yeah, and I, I guess I've always thought of, of the sort of the, the one that really stands out in that sense is toys. Yeah. Because definitely. obviously, not only are they gendered, but even to the point that, you know, that shops separate mm. them. Yeah, and it's yeah. but also with that means that's like you said it's about society and that is, you know, is there any more of a way that you can set that into children's mind than mm. with the first thing they become attached to beyond their parents, which is their toys, and yeah. when you're telling kids they can't play with this because it's a girl's toy or they can't play with that because it's a boy's toy, mm. you're already establishing that from two three years old yeah you literally and are it's, 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 I mean, it's they're all made out of the same plastic <laughs> yeah and it's the full societal group that you belong to seconds yeah. after you're born or even before you're born nowadays majority of the time before you're born you're told you're in one group or the other mm. and that automatically means you're going to like blue you're going to like football you're going to like booze you're going to like this or you're going to like um pink things and you want to be a fairy and not a pirate and you know, it, it seems bizarre that we literally force people into these little boxes. Um, and I think it's absolutely fine. If, if, if a girl wants to wear pink and stuff, I have no objection to that. But I would like it that a boy could wear pink yeah. if they want. I know one of my nephews, when he was younger, was desperate for someone to buy him flowers for his birthday. Uh, he was very young. He's, he's about 16 now, so this will probably embarrass him. Um, but nobody actually went out and got him flowers. They all got him like boys' toys and stuff. So um, yeah, so I, I went out and got him some flowers, and he was so happy with them. So yeah. you know, the ability to be able to choose between those these items in life would be great, and I think that's that would be nice. And it's much harder. I mean, I think it's much easier for people assigned female at birth to choose bloke stuff and manly stuff, the stuff that we call masculine. I think that's much easier. I think, you know, a somebody who was assigned male at birth, just choosing to wear a skirt is like a massive big deal in society. Yeah. Yeah, but frankly, a skirt is more practical for a man in many ways, you know. <laughs> yeah, in this weather, yeah. <laughs> I was quite by someone, they said that, it, that, you know, in hot countries, um, men do wear lots of things that resemble... Saris and things like that, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. The majority of the world, what we'd know as a dress, is actually a male item of clothing. Um, and female as well. So, 
So yeah, I think it is you know, bizarre that something just as simple as that piece of cloth can cause a whole world of, you know, debate. It's my opinion, one of the ways that I think the internet has been great for a personal mm. experience is that, you know, it gets you beyond the community you grow up in to yeah. a degree. So, you know, yeah. it, 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 again, it's, it's, like, it's how you use it, isn't it, I guess? Yeah, it's how you use it at all. And I think it'd be great if, uh, I mean, I think the lessons that we teach in school now, much as maths and English and, the, and geography and things, as much as those are needed, I think that the, there is now a need for this new type of education, which is learning about the modern world and about yeah. internet. You know, I, I feel as though schools do need to perhaps realise that trigonometry might not be as important to kids as actually learning <laughs> how to look for decent stuff on the internet. And I remember the only thing I remember from geography was crop rotation. And I mean, I, I live in Nottingham, for goodness sake. So <laughs> yeah. I don't need crop rotation. <laughs> yeah, so I think prioritising certain subjects over another and saving things like crop rotation and trigonometry maybe for specialists like a level and yeah. you know higher up subjects i think that might be an interesting way to sort of change things so that we're teaching kids um stuff they'll need to know from the modern world i think yeah definitely yeah, it's so difficult to get to get people that mentality though isn't it oh yeah fixed definitely. in this you know we see the same with attitudes towards music and art in school yeah, you know despite despite all the evidence for what the benefits they bring mm. it's all it's all about math science and, and i say this is someone who's obsessed with science but although hated yeah. it at school yeah. um, um it, that that's what it's all built around isn't it yeah um, it's the whole monetization thing isn't it because you don't want your kid to be a struggling artist because they won't have all these markers of success like a mortgage and a house yeah. and you know, you don't want to see your kids just busking on the street for money because they chose art rather than science. And, you know, they're probably happier busking on a street anyway. They might be. <laughs> yeah. so, this is the other thing, isn't it? It's about, you know, getting away from this idea that school isn't, isn't just about churning out a workforce. Yeah, exactly. It's about, it's about you know, giving people, children a chance to learn and experience. It's not yeah. just about getting them the skills so that they can then be thrown into the marketplace at 18 or whatever definitely i think we're very obsessed about getting things done quickly as well but but for me i i, I did go to university the first time but i also but that was in a very arty subject and then i did actually go to university in my 30s um and that's the career that i'm on now and chose a you know a very scientific subject and so i i think there's an important part of saying that yes a basic level of education to be able to, to work in the world. Yeah, I get that. But if you're looking for like people to be highly successful, you don't have to do that from the age of when they're a kid anymore, because you can have two or three different careers in a lifetime. And somebody like me who failed all their GCSEs and is now in the final year of a PhD, that kind of shows that you can make, you can make this change yeah. later. And I know obviously I'm very lucky because I think lots of people didn't have the opportunity to do that. But there are ways of like, you know, sort of looking at what makes somebody happy rather than what makes somebody rich, because those two things aren't always the same thing. You know, being, being able to feed yourself and put a roof over your house, head, yeah, I get that that's a very basic need. Um, but also happiness is an incredibly big need. And if people are happy 
being able to to get by but do a job that they love and understanding a world with a bit of a greater depth there's a lot of value on that as well i think we overemphasize the idea of success being linked to how much money you earn and how much power you have and i i think that again feeds into a lot of the problems that we have yeah i think i think yeah i think there's because of the way and that's something that comes from the entire way obviously that the system's set up you know we measure and the country measures its worth on its gdp i think mm. at new zealand i think they've been interested in the way they uh, um they looking at moving away from that aren't they and, and basing yeah. it on on people's uh happiness and, and how yeah. satisfied people are but it yeah. again like you say and that, but there's also and it feeds into this idea that there's always an attempt or it feels like to to divide people and mm. get people and blaming other people of their own or lower classes mm. um, rather than looking at the system as a whole. Yeah, definitely. And that's powerful. Want to protect their place, don't? Yeah, going right off into massive. Yeah, the, the, yeah, this. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, is like you you said that there, a lot of this ties into. Does, because I think, and I think a lot of the the anger that comes aimed at any group, a lot of it comes from people's own fears and insecurities. Yeah, um, of for their own because people, and in a time like this where people people are very afraid, mm. um, you know, they're afraid for their health. But they're also afraid for their jobs. They're afraid about what's mm. going to come because we, you know, we're looking at arguably a generational a generation of. Um, of the hit the economy is going to take based on what's happening because we, you know it's it's unprecedented it's, you know it's, it's the biggest hit that's taken since the second world war and yeah and, and fear um, feeds doesn't it you know well that's it i'm hoping it might be a time where we can actually take stock of this and go actually you know if if we are if we find ourselves in a situation where we're lucky enough to still have a steady income and we perhaps won't be looking for the next step then we might be yeah. saying i'm just glad that i've got this i'll be you know happy with you know the, the the items that i have in my house i'm now happy with them i don't feel as though i have to compete anymore and i know i've definitely been sim i've been very similar while um this has all been going on obviously you know for various reasons i found myself with more money and when the lockdown started, I assumed that meant that my house was going to be transformed. I was going to get all of this new stuff because I'm not in my car anymore, which means I'm not paying for petrol. But as it turns out, a lot of it has just been put to one side for my future because I suddenly realized that what I have is actually an awful lot. I've got a lot in my life and I've even got, you know, my income is very modest and where I live is quite modest. And so I'm hoping that maybe this might be the shift that we kind of get is that a lot more people saying, actually, rather than shooting for this, you know, big impossible dream where the, the next step is always what you're aiming for. Maybe it's quite nice being on the step that we're on. And maybe there are little things we can do to make our life just more enjoyable. You know, things like the everyday, you know, lots more people have taken up running and cycling yeah. and daily walks. And they've realized that that, is of massive benefit and where people are able to do that because obviously not everyone is able to i think that noticing things like that maybe we will get a shift i'm hoping so i'm hoping it doesn't just all click back to like it was yeah. before um but we'll see we'll have I to see I, sort of early on in the in the whole lockdown things i was feeling 
like this might be a big change in us. You know, seeing the community spirit that we were seeing, people helping out, and and, and there's still some of that going on. And I really thought, you know, maybe this is what what the country well, not not needs because we don't need, <laughs> but it's maybe this will be the the period that brings what's been a very divided country mm. slowly back together. But my somewhat my confidence has been shaken somewhat in mm. seeing it almost feels like that that divisiveness has come back in yeah. recent weeks and you know when i've seen the kind of um vitriol that's been thrown at the black lives matter supporters and you know and things like that which is still ongoing so i don't know mm. we have a habit of reverting to type don't we, mm, we do. so, you know hopefully i'm wrong but you know i was hoping that maybe you know pe people realizing how easily they're that, that things can change and you know yeah. you might think you're in a really secure place and suddenly something like this happens and suddenly okay. I was hoping it might give people a a more understanding appreciation of things like yeah. the welfare system and that definitely I'm hoping that that will all click in maybe I mean like they always say most of us are three paychecks away from losing our house yeah um, I'm probably one away <laughs> <laughs> yeah probably probably half away um, um but um yeah, I think I think I'm hoping that this might take a while to settle in, and there's going to be bumps along the way. But it might be that people eventually do, you know, particularly the like you say, the stigmatisation of people who aren't as well off, and and there's a lot of ableism as well. People who, yeah. you know, people who who claim disability benefits are quite often needlessly kind of labelled as, as as either lazy or you know lay about some things and i think a lot of people have that attitude and i'm hoping that people might realize that you know there are people that are less fortunate than 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 ourselves and that that we're very close to being those people yeah. the health things that have been going around all of a sudden you know i think a lot of my disabled friends have sort of said um you know now everybody knows what self-isolation is about but we've been doing it for years because we've had no other option um, so I'm hoping that people might learn a few lessons, but it might take time, like you say. It's all all of this stuff we've got to, and we might be seeing the worst of it because maybe the people who take to Facebook to talk about, um, you know, Black Lives Matter, maybe maybe there is a disproportionate amount of people who yeah. want to go on there to moan about it rather than do anything. I know I've only to support it. I've only done things like um, change my profile picture and things like that. Whereas I think if someone's very passionate in the opposite direction. Maybe their voice is just a bit louder, but who knows? Um, I'm hoping it's, or again, I'm hoping it's again the bashing the hornet's nest so that things can start to change. Yeah, mm. yeah it's when you're against, when you've got this sort of angry against the view as well, it's often you don't like, for example, you, I think you mentioned earlier about people saying all lives matter. And, mm. you know, some people are doing that misguided, but it's such an easy thing to just to state that and then walk away. Well, yeah, if you support, if you're supporting it, you feel the need to, to defend yourself. Mm. So, like you say, so it can be easy to just shout, you know, comments like that, and mm. and stand out and make a louder voice. Yeah, and that's yeah. obviously that's a problem that the trans community, you know, it's a it's a, it's a minority community. Mm. It's not not understood, and it and. You know, like like we've said before, people don't really understand gender and sex, or a lot of people. Mm. So, to get your to get your argument across and try and do it in a in a way is 
you know, in a, a way that presents the evidence and the, in, and in a polite way, is a, mm. it makes a lot less noise than someone who just comes mm. on and shouts or shares. Obviously, we know as well that that fear and anger sell. Oh, so definitely. you get more yeah. attention by posting an article, no matter how rare of an incident um, in in a in a women's toilet or bathroom. And we know, you know, that a trans person is far more likely to be a victim of violence oh, than a perpetrator. But yeah. that doesn't that doesn't make as much noise online. No, and I think the other trouble we've got as trans people <laughs> is that essentially, if we did document a lot about our life, it's just boring. It's just the same it's as everyone else's. Yeah. You know, there's rock and roll in in like you know. I mean, the most rock and roll thing I had today is that I had new underwear arrive in the post. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> there's no whereas. People who are anti-trans can quite easily put something very sensationalist and all mm. that. And I've got, I've got nothing sensationalist to post, you know, just, you know, here's, here's me doing my gardening and stuff. And I think that, like you say, it is part of the problem is that unless you can have something pro, pro-trans that's incredibly dramatic, um, then it doesn't, you know, it doesn't really touch base. I think that's why things like um, International Gay Day Against Transphobia and things like that are, you know, trans, um, Transgender Remember- Remembrance Day. I think those sort of things are really important because I think that is a chance to say dramatic things do happen to us. It's just that the majority of us are just trying to get by and just yeah. trying to and get on. So, so yeah, it is, that is part of the problem is that, like you say, fear sells. And it's so logical. It, on the surface, a lot of what people say seems logical, the trouble is, is that it's very nuanced, and I think people don't like nuanced thinking. No. I think we like to think, like you say, we like to think in simple ways. If you know, if you let trans women into toilets, clearly there are going to be cis men who go in there to abuse women. The thing is, I don't think a door with a stick woman on it would actually stop somebody from doing that if they're going to. I don't think they're going to go through the gender recognition process to have access to a female space like that. I think they would just choose yeah. a different space. You know? it's, a, it's not something that's backed up by any evidence. No. Where trans laws are, you know, more, more, have more equality. So it's just actually something that doesn't make sense. But if you don't think about it and you read it, you could probably easily see yourself going, oh, that's a good point. But this is it, it, isn't it? It's, again, it's that, that fear cells. It makes yeah. a compelling argument and yeah. from a for personal point of view as a as someone that was born male and identified as male mm-hmm. that's a difficult thing for me to be able to um come back on uh, you yes. know if i want to support trans rights because who am i to tell people to tell women not to be scared about who they share yeah. the toilet with absolutely I, I think even if i share the evidence that mm. you know um and we know men have have had no problem um abusing and killing women throughout mm. history yeah they they don't need some supposed no, ability no. to hide to do it they, no, like they, said, they'll, they will do it anyway yeah um, there was some Spoke by um, somebody, I, I can't remember who it was, it was on Twitter, but they said if they want to eradicate the places where abuse happens the most, you need to eradicate families and you need to mm. stop. You need to stop 
marriage and you need to stop the family unit. Which obviously is not saying that that should happen, definitely not, but it's showing that example of the fact that the places, the, the places where we need to look for abuse are those sort of settings, of family settings and, and a, a not public toilets. And I think it diverts attention away from the places where abuse is actually happening. And I think that was what that quote meant is just like, all the while you're focusing on a place where statistically it's very, 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 very unlikely to happen. We need to remember that there are lots of places where it's happening every day on a daily basis. Mm. And I think that was an interesting sort of take on it, I thought. Yeah, and that's something that we've already seen statistics showing there's been a big increase during lockdown. Mm, um, that, but it's, that's another one of those things, though, isn't it? That that saying that that uh, you know raising the, the shared toilet issue mm. that's something that people see. Well, you could fix that easily. Just don't allow yeah. it. How yeah, do definitely. you how do you fix the far more nuanced? problem yeah that the home is the most dangerous place i know exactly but also Again, how are they going to police it are they going to start looking in our underwear before yeah. <laughs> well yeah yeah that's uh, i think people also don't realize how many non-binary non-gendered toilets are out there i think people don't think about it when they go to a small coffee shop and there's only one or two toilets yeah. there you know, and at, at um, the university, we have um, non-binary, no, sorry, I must got to stop saying non-binary, non-gender toilets. And I had a friend who had been quite vocal about it. And I just, we just casually went to the toilets in the Portland building, casually walked out. And then after a while, I just sort of said, you know that you've actually been in a non-gendered toilet today and you just didn't realise. And I think that kind of like moved her and she was a bit like, oh, I, I really didn't realise that. I'm like, yeah, it, it was, you know. Did you not notice you're washing your hands next to a bloke? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, she really hadn't. So you know. Yeah, it's just they're not. They're not. You know, I know they're not, but they're not new. They're not new. No, they're not I mean, new. Yeah, absolutely. There's plenty of places. Um, you know, I mean, and, and as uh, trans, uh, as a community, we pretty much know where all of these non-gendered toilets are. Yeah. That's how we navigate a city, and that's how we're able to be in the city shopping all day is to know that if you go to a particular coffee shop, it will have a toilet that is not specified for, for male or female use. Yeah. It's just uh, a toilet. And I mean, if you're talking about a tax, not that we want to get obsessed by that, but actually when there is just a lone cubicle and it's very, very sealed in as opposed to a very open room where there's just flimsy kind of um, stalls, you know, that's an area where it could be quite dangerous, but those places exist, you know, they already exist. Yeah. Um, um, I say not quite dangerous, obviously they're not dangerous because I, I, it's just not something that happens that often. But, you know, this idea that actually if you're in a wide, a big room with, you know, other people coming and going constantly, um, it's going to be a problem and it's just, it's just not, it, it, you know, there's no statistics to back it up whatsoever, but that is a place where, you need to be careful. Definitely. Uh, mm. um, this is obviously um, a debate that's going to go on. I think, yeah. you know, we said earlier, we're a long way from um, from getting, you know, it's moving forward, but there's a long way to go. Mm. Um, but um, it does, you know, despite everything and despite the, the people in charge at the moment, Mm. Um, dismissing because the people that responded to the survey were the wrong kind of people. 
Um, weirdly, the people that responded to the survey were the people that would be impacted by it. Yeah. Um, which apparently is not the people they wanted to. An odd, very odd um, analysis to make. Yeah. But, um, you know, as we said, this is this is something that continually happens when it's a, to fight for any rights. Yeah. It always has happened and it will continue to happen. No, nothing. Uh, unfortunately, it, non, nothing, even something what should be solved this as, as equal rights doesn't get handed to people. Mm. It's, it's fought for and it's still, as we're seeing with the Black Lives Matter movement, civil rights in America was apparently brought in 50, 60 years ago and they're yeah. still having to fight absolutely now so um but um let's say i'm there's so many areas we could look talk about in relation Mm. to to that um but i wanted to get back to obviously to to the kind of things you're doing and um i know it's only just being announced that that lockdown is sort of easing Mm. in fact as as we're recording this today they've announced an opening date for 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 pubs and hotels and restaurants and they've, they've yeah. and the cut of the social distancing from a meet two meters to a meter as of the 4th of July mm-hmm. um, and over, and then if we look beyond the fact that that clearly been done with no consideration for the scientific evidence as yeah. a purely an economical thing so where does that what are the thoughts at the moment then in relation to how um, the hub might look at in relation to to events and meetings again or is that something at the moment that still looks like it's way off to you? Um, yeah I think that the, the silence on the matter today in the volunteers group is is very palpable I think that it doesn't change anything for us I think we are aware first of all I think we are quite aware like you say that we we don't think it's safe yet to meet up I think that's yeah. the most important thing is that we we have vulnerable members um, of our community um, we have we have members of the community who who might obviously be released from shielding but don't feel they want to be released and it definitely wouldn't be fair for them if we say right that's it we're all going to meet physically again and they feel they'd have to put themselves at risk in order to get the support that they need um, but yeah I, I think the fact that we haven't even discussed the possibility of uh, physically meeting again suggests to me that it's going to be a long time I think we're I think we're, my personal feeling on the matter is that when we definitely know that there isn't going to be a second wave and that you know there is something that has happened because at the moment essentially nothing has happened we haven't got a vaccine we haven't got and we've got some treatment but we haven't got an incredibly credible treatment that you can go to a pharmacist to and, and get we still have people who are vulnerable who are dying from this and obviously i understand that you know we have flu seasonal flu that does the same thing but this is you know, this is different. This is very different. It, at one point, it was killing a very high proportion of people. There's a risk it could happen again. So my personal feeling on this is that we're, we're just not, it's not even on our radar, the idea of meeting up physically again. I, I think even though the, the bar where we meet for our social may well be opening on the 4th of July, I can't see that we're actually going to encourage our members to come out and go there. Um, I might, I probably will personally go to some form of pub at some point, um, but that's my personal choice. I don't think we want to be in any way responsible for anyone, even if they have COVID, 
at a very weak level and they're not very unwell, we just don't want to be in any way responsible for that. Yeah. So no, I, I think at the moment we're going to stick with making sure we're all online, but that we're offering the support that people need when they need it, really. Yeah, and I think that that's a key to to that, isn't it? As well, it's about when it's about when people feel confident and comfortable, yeah. and yeah. you know they can open everything. But I think they might, and there's obviously going to be people that that go out. I'm sure many of us have missed, you know, to go for a drink. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I still think there's a big question mark over how comfortable uh, you feel. I mean, uh, yeah. I know my my partner works in the um, pub industry, mm. um, so she's not been working since the lockdown. But we'll be look considering, you know, we'll be probably looking at going back. I don't know how that's going to work because obviously there's going to be, as well as being limits on what you can have. Yeah, the customer, there's a limit on people you can be able to have behind a bar, example. But it's quite, you know, there's an element of that nice to return to that normality of working mm. again. But there is that fear: is is this the right time? Definitely, um, definitely. I think it is different for me because I'm I, I'm one of the people who can be pretty sure that they've got antibodies, and even though we we haven't yeah. hasn't been said that that protects you, I think looking at other countries and their reinfection rate it seems clear that you do get some protection. So I think me going along on my own with a couple of friends to a pub, I think that's a very, yeah, like you say, that's a very different sort of situation to, you know, but, but I do, I, yeah, I, I agree with you too, that it's, it's so, in some way, so nice we're getting back to normal, but um, my big concern is the science isn't there to back up the fact that we should be getting back to normal yet. Yeah, definitely. We could all be wrong. Boris could be right. But, um, <laughs> Evidence <I'm not> suggests. Otherwise, <laughs> <laughs> somebody who um, can't even you know, who constantly goes on about washing hands and making sure that we don't catch it, and then catches it himself. <laughs> yeah, after bragging that he shook everyone's hand in a yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, so there's there quite probably or quite possibly people uh, listening to this um, that are maybe. Uh, not not familiar with uh, with the trans hub and there may be you know people that maybe want to find out more want to find out how they can be involved in terms of attending the support um, groups which obviously are virtual at the moment so what's the best way of I guess for people to sort of looking to take their first step at sort of being involved and so um, yes, yeah, so, I mean, the, 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 the sort of linchpin of what we do is based around uh, a website, um, which uh, the address, oh, I don't have the address to hand, but if you Google not trans hub, it comes up um, pretty much the first thing. So visiting there is a good start because uh, ultimately there's going to have lots of events there that aren't happening, but it will show you the events that, you know, are available. Um, we have everything from even a Warhammer group and we have like oh, a... Cool. a you know, which is great. I mean, clearly Nottingham, we've got to have a war. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we've got like board game groups and things. Obviously these aren't meeting. I think a couple of those groups might be meeting online um, in different ways, but it will, it will certainly tell you what's available. Um, it will tell you what's going on right now. And we also have a good Facebook group. So you can find us on Facebook. Again, if you just search for Knots Trans Hub, it's probably the best way to find us. Um, and that if you just ask to join the group, it is a mod moderated group for obvious reasons. 
Um, but if you ask to join, explain your situation as, as briefly as you need to. Um, we can definitely, you know, you can definitely be part of that and sort of start to sort of perhaps meet people virtually, which again, like you say, is a really good stepping stone into, into meeting people in person. We also have a bulletin. Um, so on the website, you can sign up uh, for the bulletin. And that comes uh, once a month. It will be in your inbox, um, normally around about midnight uh, when I finish writing it on the first, um, the 30th or the 31st of the month, whichever is uh, relevant, um, or obviously the 28th of February. Um, and that details everything going on in the local area. And at the moment, it also has lots of extra details, such as prescriptions, uh, what's going on at the gender clinic, um, and various other sorts of sources of help in difficult times for people, sometimes financially, sometimes, you know, uh, needing perhaps more support through the through the phone line and everything. So I think that's the best way to go about it. Certainly the website is a really good start and the Facebook group. And from that, it kind of, the good, the good thing about the hub is it's all interconnected. So if you find the Facebook group, you'll find the website. If you find the website, you'll find the Facebook group. And we also have groups for supporters. It's not just for trans people, it's also for parents and partners. Have a very active supporters group. Um, which I haven't mentioned till now, but they, they're meeting virtually as well. And it's, again, a very non-judgmental environment. Even if it's a parent who perhaps their child has only just approached them with the idea they might be trans, or it could be somebody who's had a trans partner for years and suddenly realises that maybe there's something they want to talk about, or they just want to meet other people in a similar position. So we have an awful lot going on, um, but the website is a great place to start for that. Brilliant. Excellent. So a massive thank you to Nat from Not Trans Hub there for taking time out to talk to us. Covered a lot of topics there, you know, a lot of talk about what the Trans Hub are doing at the moment during the lockdown, the support they're offering, the massive importance on keeping on the fight for uh, trans rights, particularly amidst the, you know, the government's basic dismissal of, of trans rights within the Gender Equality Act and some of the pushback that's coming from sectors of... Uh, of, of society it's important to keep that fight and we obviously we talked a well about the bigger issue of social media and the fight for all kinds of rights there and uh, so that's important it's an important to uh, to do your best to support these communities support people and if you want to know more about uh, the trans hub you can check them out as i said at the beginning not transhub.wordpress.com They've got support groups going on all virtual at the moment, of course. As this, as Nat said as well, there are events for um, for supporters of the community. There are events for for parents, partners, uh, and people that just want to speak as well. Obviously, as as trans people, no matter what uh, what uh, what step you're ready to take, whether you're ready to to uh, to go out there and meet people maybe you're looking at first steps about uh, how to come more open about your uh, your gender identity and things like that it's a great place to go 
sign up for the um, bulletin, as I said, because there's lots of information there, particularly at the moment, about how you can access important uh, support at the moment, such as the, the, Glenda clin- the gender clinic, sorry, prescriptions, things like that at the moment, when lots of places are running restricted hours, if they're even open. Um, so they're very vital services are offering there. And hopefully um, it won't be too long until until they're able to start their events again. But as Nat said there as well, that's not something they'll do until they're fully confident that it's safe to do so. And like many, uh, I think there's many of us at the moment that aren't sure we're quite at that stage yet. And obviously there's a big worry about a second wave coming on and what might happen there. Uh, but it was a fascinating chat. Hopefully you enjoyed it. As ever, you can check out all of our podcasts at ngdigital.podbean.com, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, um, Podbean, obviously, uh, Podcast Addict, whichever podcast app you use, and we're available on there. Uh, shows also available on YouTube if you want to catch them on there. Uh, you can catch any of the shows. We've done a number of shows during the lockdown with groups like uh, Nottingham Refugee Week, Shareware Clothing, um, my house, your house, radio. Uh, lots of of interesting discussions that have gone on. We've got more shows coming up. Keep an eye on our Facebook page, uh, facebook.com forward slash ng digital, and our Twitter at ng digital UK to find out what shows we've got coming up. Working on some at the moment. We're going to be recording some more uh, in the next few days, so we'll be announcing the guests soon. But uh, until then, uh, feel free to let us know what you think. Give us a review. Give us a like. Give us a share, spread the word on this pod, these podcasts. This one especially, I think it's really important to try and get this podcast out um, at the moment because there's a lot of misinformation about uh, transgender community, transgender people, uh, gender identity, as we talked about there, a lot of confusion between gender and, and sex, a lot of misinformation regarding uh, biology around sex and things like that. So it's, I think if we can get this episode out there, hopefully... It can give people maybe that first step into finding out more and getting a better understanding of uh, of of transgender rights and uh, and moving that forward at least a little bit. And if we can do that, I think that helps immensely. So thank you very much for listening. We look forward to you joining us again soon, and we'll be back next week with another episode. But for now, goodbye.